you left me down here some things in life just ain't fair i know you're watching over me i hope you're doing it with a smile but i give anything to hear your voice one last time
Good afternoon, everyone. It's uh, time to find your seats. And uh, I've known this family for some time, and the probability of you continuing to talk is high. So I thought we would just get <laughs> things underway here, and uh, we're, we're thankful to be able to gather together to honor and celebrate John's life. The theme that, my, first of all, my name is Jay Donnelly, and uh, I pastored, my wife and I co-pastored at New Life for a number of years, and we have transitioned the pastorate to Pastor Steve Dennison and his family, and uh, it's been a great blessing. And in my journey of pastoring, I was very privileged to be friends and pastor of John. Uh, we journeyed life and some ups and downs and some illnesses and some struggles and all those kinds of things together and it was a tremendous privilege. I, I love him. I, you notice I didn't say past tense. I love him. I love his character and his soul and who he is and what he stood for. And in the midst of that, as we walk through this time together, we're also going to discover some things that most likely he would say, you know, I would have done that a little bit differently. Uh, yeah, we're, oh man, everybody just saw that one coming for sure. So uh, this, uh, the theme that I have prayerfully considered as we were approaching our time together of celebration of John's life is more than a conqueror. So if you can just get, grasp that truth from the book of Romans, I'm going to expound upon it a bit from the word, but more than a conqueror. And life brings all kinds of challenges. And we can conquer them, or we can Surrender to Jesus and be more than a conqueror. Not just get over the hump, but have eternity and having the blessing of God and the power of Holy Spirit guiding us in the midst of every challenge of life. John Wilhite, born July 16, 1944 in Stockton, California. Received into the arm of Jesus on March 4, 2023. He's survived by his wife Margaret, daughter Leslie, son John, and grandchildren Rachel, Emily, Billy, Johnny Jr., Jennifer, and great-grandchildren Paisley, Abigail, and numerous nieces and nephews, and numerous family. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, as we come before you, we know that John is in your presence and wow, what a powerful truth that is. We're so thankful for that truth and the truth from your word, the truth of salvation, the truth of breakthrough, the truth, Lord, of your desire that every man, woman, and child would come to the knowledge of a Savior and a King and a Lord, and his name is Jesus, and there is no other. John had that encounter with you, Jesus, and he is walking streets of gold because of it. We open our hearts, Lord, for your comfort, Holy Spirit. We ask, Jesus, that you would bring healing to our broken hearts, that you would guide us as, we, as people share, as there are things that can be spoken, that in all of it, Jesus, you would be honored, John and the family would be honored, and in that, healing would occur. And we open our hearts to that truth. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. <clears throat> Amen? Right on. Okay. I'm going to share a couple of things, and then we're going to have the American Legion Post 108 Honor Guard come and, and share a flag presentation. 
in honor of John's service to our nation in the United States Army. But first, I want to share a couple of things. We're here for a reason, and John is not here, we've noticed that, um, and that he is in heaven, and so we are here to celebrate him. We are here to honor him. We are here to receive something. We are to help one another. We are to encourage one another. We're to pray for one another. There may be some crying together, but we'll also be laughing together. There will be those dimensions of our gathering together, and we're coming together to celebrate and to honor and to heal. And because of that, we can reference scripture from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, that is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. And this is a prophecy from Isaiah 700 years before Jesus came to the earth. And, and it declares this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me, Jesus, to preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. He has sent me to heal who? The brokenhearted. Many in the house are brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And that captivity can be all kinds of things. But sometimes we can be captive to many things in our mind that just circle round and round and round and round. And, round. and the Lord wants us to be set free from those. The opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and, quite frankly, the day of vengeance of our God when he returns for his church. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn, and mourning is the healing process. Grief is the emotional impact from loss. Mourning is the healing process. We're here um, impacted by grief, but also we are mourning, we are healing in this time together. A promise to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Isn't that awesome? The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And it's like this. We need to make the choice to put on the garment of praise because the spirit of heaviness would try to just cover us constantly. So it's like making a choice to put on a coat. We put on the garment of, of praise. That they, we, may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. He, meaning Jesus. One more passage to, to kind of set the frame of what, why we're here. This is from 2 Corinthians verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. It says this, For we walk by faith, and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body, and I call it the earth suit, absent from the earth suit, and to be present with the Lord. And we can declare this, due to John's faith in Jesus, he is present with the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing, and it's something that all of us in this room should aspire to, um, in God's timing. <laughs> How about that for a deal? Okay? In God's timing. This is a celebration of his life and his faith. And I'm, there'll be all kinds of discussion and sharing about John's life, but also his faith. And it was a powerful encounter with Jesus. God's word says in Romans 13, to give honor to whom honor is due. And John is due honor. It is time to mourn together, which I have spoken 
And also, I can say without one ounce of doubt, in the many hours that I spent with John sitting alongside of him, sitting in the trailer, um, sitting at church, sitting on the picnic bench, sitting, sit, hanging out, um, that he would want us all, myself included, to learn from his life. So we're going to be talking about that as well. And then discussing John's faith, because it was real faith. It was tenacious faith. It was at times struggling faith, like all of us have had. But nonetheless, it was very real, and he was passionate about his faith in Christ. Before John's encounter with Jesus, <laughs> his life was a mess. Anybody else been there? We've all been there, haven't we? But in his description, his, his mess was a capital M, bold. Um, yeah, I mean, he, some of the things we talked about, it was like, wow, okay, hallelujah, praise the Lord, you know. <laughs> Jesus is Lord, for sure, okay. Uh, and he is the, the deliverer and the healer. And if anyone knew John before Christ, what some in the house did, they would say when he encountered Jesus, um, there was a radical change in him. But also a process that was underway, like in all of us, of sanctification, of the progression of our growth in our faith in Christ Jesus. And quite frankly, I call it, you know, progressive deliverance, okay, constantly being delivered from stuff. Um, and every one of us in the house here have had that and should still be having that occur in our life. So with that, I want to invite the honor guard to come and do the flag presentation. Post 108 will be honoring John's service in the Army and will be presenting the United States flag for his service in honor of him and our great nation. Honor guard.
the armed forces of this great nation. It is a recognition of that service that we honor this veteran today. I would like to read a poem that was written by a veteran. I was that which others did not want to be. I went where others feared to go and did what others failed to do. I asked nothing from those who gave nothing and reluctantly accepted the thought of eternal loneliness should I fail. I have seen the face of terror, felt the stinging cold of fear, and enjoyed the sweet taste of a moment's love. I have cried, pained, and hope.
is a canton of the blue containing these stars representing the states our veterans served in uniform. In the armed forces of the United States, at the ceremony of retreat, the flag was lowered, folded in a triangle fold and kept under watch throughout the night as a tribute to our nation's honored dead. The next morning, it is brought out, and at the ceremony of Reveille, while aloft is the symbol of our belief in the resurrection of the body. The first fold of our flag is the symbol of life. The second fold is the symbol of our belief in the eternal life. The third fold is made in honor and remembrance of the veteran departing our ranks who gave a portion of their life in the defense of our country to attain peace throughout the world. The fourth fold represents our weaker nature, for as American citizens trusting to God, it is to occur in times of peace as well as in time of war for his divine guidance. The fifth fold is a tribute to our country, for in the words of Stephen Decatur, our country, dealing with other countries, may she always be right, but it is still our country right or wrong. The sixth fold is for where our hearts lie. It is with our hearts we pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. The seventh fold is a tribute to our armed forces, for it is through them that we protect our country and our flag against all our enemies, whether it be found within or without the boundaries of our republic. The eighth fold is a tribute to the one who entered into the valley of the shadow of death, that we may see the light of day. The ninth fold is a tribute to womanhood, for it has been through their faith, love, loyalty, and devotion that the character of the men and women who have made this country great have been molded. The tenth fold is a tribute to Father. For he too has given his sons and daughters for the defense of our country since they were first born. The eleventh fold, in the eyes of a Hebrew citizen, represents the lower portion of the seal of King David and King Solomon and glorifies in their eyes the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The twelfth fold, in the eyes of a Christian citizen, represents an emblem of eternity glorifies in their eyes God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. When the flag is completely folded, the stars are uppermost, reminding us of our national motto, In God We Trust. After the flag is completely folded and tucked in, it takes on the appearance of a cocked hat, ever reminding us of these soldiers who served under General George Washington the sailors and marines who served under Captain John Paul Jones, who were followed by their comrades and shipmates in the armed forces of the United States, preserving for us the rights, privileges, and freedoms we enjoy today.
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That concludes our military service. Thank you, Hunter Guard. It's a very powerful and solemn and honoring ceremony that truly gives honor to whom honor is due. And whenever someone serves in the armed forces, there's a part of their life that is uh, left in that level of service. Um, and so by honoring John and his service and all of those that have served, it honors Jesus as well. Which literally brings me to that place of Romans 8, 35 through 39 and the emphasis of being more than a conqueror. I'm going to read some, a couple of things and then we're going to transition to sharing from the family and um, also in just a moment, Pastor Paul has sent a, a video to be able to be shared as well. But I think it's important and, and quite frankly foundational that we read from Romans and anchor our hearts on where we're headed as the theme. It's important for us to consider this as Paul was writing this, he's making a proclamation to all of us as well. So starting in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or peril or famine or nakedness or a sword or in this day and age, a rifle? As it is written, for your sake we, were, we are killed all day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us. And as I share just a couple of stories and prepare for, for Pastor Paul to be able to share as well and then what Margaret is going to share. The more than conqueror dimension of life is incredibly powerful and John struggled um, even after his salvation experience and he and I spoke many times and I feel very comfortable in us talking about it um, with anger and every time he would be angry he would be very troubled about that and oftentimes I would get a call and we would talk about it and we would pray together um, we had many discussions and times of prayer it broke his heart. So as we embrace his life and honor his life, I would submit to you that we can learn from that and we can say, let us be attentive to what the root cause is. What is stirring us up deep in our heart that has not been dealt with that we can get healed? Um, 
so that it doesn't rise out in pain of anger. John and I shared some fire stories. His journey of life took him to a place that he was um, spent some time behind bars. And uh, he went to a camp program, and he went to Vallecito Fire Camp. And I just happened to be very familiar with Vallecito Fire Camp, and we had some pretty fun stories about fires and those kinds of things. And it was a great opportunity for him that he enjoyed greatly. And he learned some things that helped him press forward in his future and his hope and his life of marriage and um, children and grandchildren, etc. But he continued to struggle until he found Christ. And through that journey of discovery of Christ, he had this passion to serve, and he flowed in the gift of helps. And I could go on for two hours on all the things that John did to serve, both in this church, Mount Zion, and I'm going to leave that up, some of the particulars of that um, to the family, but also at New Life. And it was a sweet spot to serve. So with that, I want to uh, just honor John in that rich truth of he was more than a conqueror. Of the many challenges he faced, he never quit. He never gave up. Whether it was a health challenge, a family challenge, an emotional challenge, whatever it might be, he would ask for help and he would press on and he would never quit. So his never quit was based upon his faith in Christ. And I would encourage all of us to have faith in Christ. And at, at our end of our time together, we're going to talk more about that. I'm going to say one more thing, and then I'm going to uh, uh, have Margaret come and share, and then Pastor Paul's message will, will come, and, and we'll be able to share with us on the video screen. But I think this is something that, um, I mean... John and I had numerous discussions about both polished boots, creases and pants, um, all those kinds of things. You know, that, ironically, <laughs> when he first came to church, the first thing he noticed was my, that my boots were polished. He goes, Pastor, I think we can work this out. Your boots are polished. <laughs> all right, well that's, well, that's a good place to start. I hope I don't ever wear my tennis shoes. You know, we're going to be in trouble. And the other thing that became quite a discussion point for us is, and those of you that are close to him know that he was not a fan of laziness. Oh, I mean, that was the kind way of putting it, wasn't it? I mean, if you were just slacking, you were going to hear about it. And so um, he worked hard, he, he served hard, and he cared hard, and he loved well. And, you know, Jesus really touched his heart to the, to the depth and, and with that, I want to have Margaret come and share, and then Pastor Paul's video will share. First of all, I just wanted to say... All you faces out there, all the people that we love, thank you guys for coming. <laughs> and this church holds a lot of history for John and I. 
when we first took our girls and we brought them here from another state because mommy and daddy were not in the position to have raised their children at that time. John and I took our girls and we brought them home from Idaho and I told my husband he didn't believe in God and he kept telling me to keep my God to myself. But we never gave up on John. We prayed for John, me and the girls, and Pastor Paul told John, John, we're praying for you and we know you're going to come. And John did. One morning, on a Sunday morning, I looked up and looked around and I thought he'd excused himself for the men's room. And I looked over up at the front and there he was, kneeling, and he gave his heart to Jesus that day because he wanted us to raise our girls in a loving, caring home. And we did. Fifty-two years I was with John, and I'm going to miss him. It's like it's, this is not real today, but I know it is. He's not suffering anymore, and he's with the Lord. And I just thank everybody for being a part of his life, especially Pastor Paul. He never gave up on John always greeted John and made John feel so special in this church. We hold a lot of love for that man and his family and our new pastor, Pastor Steve, and his wife. We know that they love John too. I just thank everybody. God bless you all. With that, we will have uh, the video presentation from Pastor Paul. Hey, Margaret, Leslie, girls, um, we're, our heart's broken for you and a little bit for us too, uh, the loss of your husband, your dad, and your papa, girls, and uh, our friend, John. Uh, we just wanted to send our condolences and just share a little bit with you. So um, first of all, I, I just want to tell you, John, uh, 26 years ago, maybe 25, 26 years ago, I remember holding his hand when he asked Christ into his heart and repented and asked Christ into his heart. And I knew the story behind it because the girls were coming to live with you guys and you, Margaret, and John made a decision in your life that you're gonna transform and change mm -hmm. the way you were living so you could set an example for those girls. What a great job, we applaud you. That was yeah. Good. That was good. Margaret, one of the favorite things I have in my mind right now is after meeting you and Johnny, every time you would address your, yourselves, you always said, my Johnny. <laughs> he was always your Johnny. And I just thought that was the sweetest compliment anyone could ever say to someone else as a, as a married couple. My, you, you claimed him, he was your own. And uh, when you were raising the girls and how you, you just put everything you had into everything that, you, that God gave you, your husband and those girls. It was a beautiful time. It was a beautiful time. So. Uh, Johnny uh, reminds me of King David a little bit. Uh, King David was a bad boy. <laughs> you know, he, uh, he wasn't always uh, did things that you would think, but yet he was a man after God's own heart. And I, Johnny's past, I, I didn't know him before he came to Christ. I knew him one week before Christ. But uh, Johnny coming to Christ uh, reminds me of a bad boy like David, but yet a man after God's own heart. And even in the latter years of David, uh, John's life, uh, 
you know, you could see the way he dressed and handled himself. He still had that King David kind of thing, don't mess with me, you know. <laughs> yes. And I uh, love that about my dear friend. A couple of scriptures for your comfort and for you guys. Psalms one sixteen fifteen, I believe. It says that um, it is pleasant. Listen to this. It is pleasant in the sight of the Lord when a saint falls asleep. I'm going to say it one more time. It is pleasant in the sight of the Lord mm -hmm. when a saint falls asleep. That's so sweet. God found pleasure in John taking his last breath. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. There's another scripture in Isaiah yeah. ugh, 57 something. I'm sorry, I don't have the address. Um, no one ponders or no one asks why the righteous or the good are taken. It is so that they don't have to suffer the woes of this world anymore. Mm -hmm. God gave mercy to Johnny by taking him home so he doesn't have to suffer the woes of this yeah. world and this, and we live so in a crazy true. world. So and true. I want to finish this up in the next few seconds. I'm going to give you one more verse. Philippians 1, 27, the Apostle Paul, and I'm going to paraphrase it. He said his die is awesome. To live is a lot of work. So mm -hmm. Johnny won. And uh, we're envious. He got yes. to heaven before us. But it won't be long. No. no. Margaret, we love you. Love the girls. Leslie, we love you. Yeah. We are very sorry that you're going through this sorrow, but take heart. Joy comes in the morning. Yes. And uh, the one day you'll all see him again. Amen. And you will all dance with Jesus. So that's going to be it. I personally can't wait. And I know Paul can't wait, but we're trying to hang in there with each other. <laughs> yeah, we love you. Blessings <laughs> over you. May, uh, may your memories be full of pictures and things that mm -hmm. you've lived through yeah. with uh, this wonderful friend of ours, this man of your life. Mm -hmm. God bless you guys. Thank you for letting us share it with you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Amen. Uh, Pastor Paul and, and Patty are very good friends of, of ours, and um, he has a very, better, very tender heart. And uh, Paul and I talked often about our, our blessing of being able to shepherd and, and pastor Johnny. <laughs> and uh, Margaret and the family. So we're, we're very fortunate and thankful for, for Paul sharing that, that message as well. It just shows his heart for sure. So I want to now introduce um, Rachel, Emily, and Billy to come and share, and uh, then Leslie will be coming up after that. Come on up, girls. I'm putting you on the spot. Sorry if I'm looking down. I'm just going to read because I knew if I didn't write down what I wanted to say, I probably wouldn't say it or I would start crying. <clears throat> the past week coming to terms with Papa not being with us has been tough. The grief comes in waves and hits like a tsunami sometimes. Papa was a man of few words, and often his facial expression said it all. When he smiled, he truly lit up the room, and we would laugh with him. I remember as a young girl during the spring and summer, Papa would spend his days outside in the garage that was meticulously organized and put together. He would spend hours cleaning the yard, whether it was making burn piles or mowing the lawn on his riding lawnmower. I used to beg him to let me drive that thing. <laughs> All because I really just wanted to help. And well, to me, it looked fun. 
Finally, one day he called me over and after spending hours watching him go in perfect circles to keep our yard perfect, it was my turn. So I ran over and as excited as I was, I was so nervous. I got up on that tractor and he told me which buttons to push and how to push in the clutch and said, have at it. I drove that tractor in circles and did not want to get off. I was so proud as I know he was. He stood there watching with a smile on his face. And after that, every weekend I would ask, can I mow the lawn or can I help drive the lawnmower today? His response from that day forward was, I really opened a can of worms letting you do that, didn't I? <laughs> I would just smile and grin. I truly was my grandpa's little shadow. Even at a younger age, I would follow close behind him and oftentimes get caught for pickpocketing and for his change. I loved watching my papa and helping him. I remember growing up on Sundays, we spent them here in this church, in that back pew on the right side as you enter the doors. Honestly, it wasn't just Sundays. Papa always had us here, Wednesdays for church or youth group, and he also did many janitorial and maintenance things around here. We used to come and help him take care of the trash and vacuuming, cleaning windows, making sure the pews were clean, even doing outside stuff from time to time. Papa lived to serve and truly had a servant's heart, and I'll do my best to be as much of a servant as he was. Papa was strong, stubborn, and driven. It didn't matter how much pain he was in. He would push himself beyond his limits sometimes. Between helping getting us girls move to working on our cars and helping people in the church, we would literally even call him just to drive his truck and pick up something that we purchased that was too big to fit in our cars. He would be there in a flash and never would complain. Recently, as some of you know, he's been in and out of the hospital. In January, right before he went into his rehabilitation home, I got the honor to be the one to go and pick him up from the hospital, to be there to get him in the car and to drive him home. And while I was honored that evening and will never forget being able to help him, it was a night I'll never forget. In the process of trying to get him inside, which was a process, he had an accident. And while getting him cleaned up and we're joking, he looks at me after and he said, and I'll never forget the grin on his face, well, I changed enough of your poopy diapers. I guess it's your turn. <laughs> One of my favorite things these last few years have not only been my relationship with him, but also watching my grandpa be a great grandfather to my daughter, Abby. Seeing his face light up when she's around and asking for her, I think it's safe to say her sweet tooth is his fault. Every time we would go visit or she would be over there while I worked, she raved about how Papa gave her cookies and candy. He also always had the cookies ready for her and was more than happy to give her whatever she wanted. I had the honor to be his granddaughter. I can only hope to be the half of the whole that he was. He held nothing back and he gave everything. I'm truly going to miss him, but I know he's dancing with Jesus and is no longer in pain. And lastly, I just want to say thank you to our boyfriends, specifically mine, Jake, and his family, and our boyfriend's families for being by our sides in this tough time as we learn to navigate life just a little differently now. I think we all had the same idea on writing it down because I don't think any of us could get through this without it. Uh, time is truly strange. It is the only true unit of measure. Yet some time flies by in the blink of an eye and some just drags on. As I entered this church 
even today. It feels like yesterday we were here cleaning with my grandpa, as my sister described. But I don't remember it that way. I don't remember it as coming here to clean. Because in reality, the memory that I remember is army crawling under the pews that you guys are sitting on now, <laughs> as everybody else cleaned. <laughs> I remember racing with my sisters underneath the pews. And as we got here today, which is not in my writing, but as we got here today, I had both my daughter and my niece doing the same thing with Pastor Eric giggling as he's walking through. And it just took me back to that time. There are so many memories that flood my mind when I think about the life that we've been blessed with. But I'd really like to think of all the moments that truly helped carve me into the woman that I am today. When I was pretty little, I remember falling or stubbing my toe. And Papa would come over to help you up. But he never did. <laughs> well, at least not before he put his hand gently on the wall where you stubbed your toe or the gravel that you skinned your knee on and checked to see if it was okay first. I also remember that if you raised your voice, even in the slightest while talking with Nana, he would come running out with the belt, even though he never had to use it, because we all believed that he would. <laughs> that was enough. That just showed me how much they loved each other, though. Even when they disagreed, they had that old school love and never gave up on each other. They say that as a woman, we tend to find the love like that of our father. And being that he was the man who raised me, my papa, daddy, and Mr. Mom, it was mind-blowing having dinner at Nana and Papa's 50th anniversary with my loving boyfriend, Jesse, and seeing just how much they were alike. He was quiet when you first met him, but when he spoke, he would have the exact words that was needed. In funny times, he had the best jokes, and in the sad or hurting times, well, he did his best to, do, to show his kind heart. I have to keep reminding myself every day how blessed we truly are. I got to watch my papa push the lawnmower with Paisley sitting on it and watch her light up when she saw him out the window working in the garage. When she would be playing outside, if he was working in the yard, she'd yell at him, asking for his work gloves and his baseball cap, and he would give it to her. He would sit on the table, he would sit her on the table and feed her with a spoon. When she was all done, they would sit there, and he would tickle her feet and play with her. And those are some of the best memories that we will cherish forever. I can go on forever with stories, but I want to make sure we hear as many as we can today. So I'll end with this. Dr. Seuss said it best. Sometimes you'll never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Remember to hug your loved ones tightly and tell them you love them often, because we don't know how much time we have. Thanks for letting me go last. <laughs> okay. Okay. Shh. <laughs> I'd like to start by thanking everyone for joining us today to celebrate the, the life of our loved, beloved Papa John. For those of you who don't already know, I'm Billy, John's youngest granddaughter. I found a definition of what Google says a Papa is. A lot of people think it's short for grandpa, but Google defines Papa as one's father, and that is exactly what he was. He not only raised our mom, but when given the chance to do it again with my sisters and I, that's exactly what he did. He raised us like his own. He wasn't just my grandpa. He was the closest thing to a father we ever had, and let me tell you, he did a wonderful job. My Papa was the most selfless person I have ever known. 
He always put the needs of others even before his own, especially those he cared about. It didn't matter if he was hurting or in pain. If we needed him, he was always there. Whether your car overheated on the side of the road, you were moving multiple times, <laughs> you needed a ride home from the ER, or you needed help with a burn pile at home, he was the one to call because he would always show up. In high school, all of my friends used to talk about how scary my grandpa was. <laughs> a strong, tattooed man with a beard who always had a serious look on his face. He was always first in the pickup line after school. The boys who thought he was scary, I let them believe that so they wouldn't mess with me. But my close friends knew just how sweet and funny he really was. When Papa would smile, he would light up the entire room. His laugh was contagious, and he could always put a smile on my face. I have so many memories with my Papa, and I could talk about him forever, but I will spare you and just tell you a few of my favorites. My earliest memory I have is one day Pops took us girls deer hunting with him. We had an old Isuzu, and us girls were sitting in the back eating snacks and joking around. Papa got really mad at us and told us he would never take us together again because we were too loud. And sure enough, he never took us again, and we didn't come home with anything except an empty ice chest and a great memory. Fast forward to junior year of high school. I was the only kid still at home with Papa and Nana, which I will say those years at home alone with them were some of my favorites growing up. Anyways, the first and last time I ever got into trouble at school happened my junior year. I'll spare you the details, but I remember telling Nana what happened and begging her not to tell Papa because I didn't want to be punished. But she made me tell him. I remember the look on his face, pure disappointment because he knew I was better than that. I wasn't punished because, trust me, the disappointment was punishment enough. I never wanted to disappoint him again, and from then on out, I always strive to make him proud of me and will do that for the rest of my life. My papa was such a role model that even, a, even picking a man to be my partner was not such an easy task because papa was the first to show me what a man really is. In my life, I have only dated a few guys that I would have wanted papa to meet, but let's just say I was extremely selective to a point that papa thought I was embarrassed of him. But it was the total opposite of that. I wanted to be sure the man that got to meet him was going to show him I would be taken care of. Papa only met one other guy before he got to meet Kevin. And let me tell you, from the first time he met Kevin, there was never a phone call or visit to his hospital room that he didn't ask about him. I know Papa loved him as much as I do, and I know he knew I was taken care of. As I'm very sad that Papa will not be around for many milestones I have yet to reach, I'm extremely happy for him that he's not suffering and does not have to fight anymore, because we all know he did that for a long time. But he will always be with me in spirit, and I will see him again one day. So I'll leave you with this verse that has given me comfort, even though you guys have already heard it today. <laughs> in the message, John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26 says, You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now. Resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Thank you.
Leslie, would you like to share? faces that I could see yesterday and I see every day in my mind. I see faces in years. Thank you all for coming. My dad was definitely a conqueror and he definitely set a role for me to follow. When my girls first came home to be with my parents, I, I was in prison. And I used to battle with that, but I've come to terms with it now because it brought my dad to Jesus. It brought my family to Jesus. I can't beat myself up anymore. Dad said, stop. I want to be the conqueror that he has. My mom blessed me with his Bible, and the first thing I did over it was, God, please re just speak to me like you did my dad. Teach me what you taught him. So today, I'm proud to say I am clean and sober. And I love that he's above me and he's looking at me and he can see every move I make because I need that thumb on my head and he couldn't be the greater person. I know I'll see him again one day and I know we'll all be happy again. But thank you again for all coming. I appreciate you all. Good job. Good job. powerful truths of John's life, and we're going to have a, a, a time here. If there's those in the house that would like to share something, uh, we'll have a mic, and I'll just raise your hand, and I'll bring it to you. And I just ask that you would keep it crisp and short, and, and you know, to, to an honoring point of, of John and the family and what Jesus is doing, and just a, a story or an encouragement. And uh, as we enter into that time, was touching as to what Jesus did and continues to do in the family and in everyone that touched John's life. And like all the rest of us in the house, he struggled with certain things in his life. But he wanted victory more than anything. And as we share more from perhaps additional family or friends. Consider John's legacy. And a legacy is the life that we live is the legacy that we leave. And we recognize a path in our life and, we, and, and we, it needs to change. We make the change and that change is a legacy just as Pastor Paul shared about King David. And John made a change, a powerful, radical surrender to Jesus. And came a legacy that is beautiful and powerful and breakthrough. So with that platform, is there anyone that would, uh, other family members or friends who would like to share? And just raise your hand and I'll bring the microphone to you.
John had a heart of a servant. He, I talked to him the week before he, he went home. And I prayed with him constantly. Every week and a half, I made an effort to contact him. And we had a, the last time we talked, he goes, well, one of these days we're going to have the, the breakfast we, we promised with each other. I go, right now they're egg, green eggs, eggs and ham. And uh, we laughed about it. But most of all, he had a great heart of a servant. He loved, served. When we were together, he just wanted to serve. And that's what his purpose was. Give glory to God. Amen. Okay. Anyone else? Over here. The man of few words. When I first met three girls, he looked at me, and they're all in the other room, and he looked at me and he's just like, so you're it, huh? <laughs> that was the night of the garlic bread, the famous garlic bread I made. <laughs> the girls are laughing because they know. Apparently I make terrible garlic bread. <laughs> but as I looked over across the table from me, I watched that man sit there and eat it, as awful as it was, and he ate that garlic bread. <laughs> and I sat there, and while everybody else was not even looking at it, and he just kind of looked at me, he just kind of gave me like this face, like, you did bad, but I'll still eat it. His facial expressions definitely said it all, as they, they said as well. But, man, I will miss that man. There is one more person that he's up there with. And that is Vincent. Thank you. Vincent loved you girls just as much as your papa did. And I still do, too. Thank you. Anyone else? Over here, Lionel. So many memories. You three. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Thank you, Lord. You were great. Still are. John was a man's man. He knew it was right. That's what he did. You could tell he loved you. Just being around him. He didn't have to say much. You could tell that he had the love of Jesus in him. Margaret was the same way. It still is. Margaret, you're so good. She always welcomes us with a smile and a hug. 
we met John and Margaret, my wife and I met John and Margaret here at Mount Zion, and we had so many good times together. Way too many to go into. But as I got to know John more and more, I saw Jesus more and more. Psalm 15. This is John. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. John was never shaken. You couldn't. When he accepted Jesus, he took on the strength of Jesus. You could not shake him. He was fun. He was serious. He was a man's man. We're all going to miss him. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Anyone else? Yeah, John, uh, John always impressed me. Um, we got pretty involved with the Wilhite family way back in the day when Margaret started working for me and taking care of my kids. I'm taking care of kids, Margaret's thing, I guess. And, uh, you know, kind of got a slice of what it was like inside that family and what was going on when, you know, Billy was born. We were around for that. And uh, <laughs> that's a crazy story. We'd go on for 15 minutes on that one. And Emily and, of course, Rachel. But, um, you know, God's just um, that guy, you know. And you just put this real steady influence that uh, didn't waver inside that family's life. You know, and um, some of us would kind of go up and down. And not talk about Margaret, I love her to death. But, you know, Margaret's the greatest. But, um, you know, God put those two together. And uh, John was just that guy that didn't waver. He was principled. Um, and it always really impresses me too when uh, we can all be pretty principled when things are going well but when um, you're in extreme pain all the time and uh, finances are tough and you're taking on three grandkids and you don't waver and you just stay stay the course and you stay what you're doing it's, it's, uh, it's extremely honorable and extremely inspiring and he was just that guy and uh, boy I love that smile on that guy <laughs> It was just the best. And anyway, good man. I know you guys are going to miss him a lot because that guy was a very uh, steady rudder for that family. Very steady rudder. He kept things very uh, on the straight and narrow, the way it should be. And uh, I know uh, there's certain people you could look at and you know you could always depend on them. And John was that guy. Amen. Right here. Thank you. 
I just want to say that I loved my Uncle John. Uncle John wasn't only there for the girls, but whenever I was a teenager, I had a little bit of a challenging time. <laughs> and my dad scared me to death by saying, if you don't straighten up, you're going to go stay with your Uncle John and your Aunt Margaret. <laughs> and he said, John will, John will straighten you up. And I was terrified, but my dad did do that. He sent me up there to stay with him. And um, it ended up working out well because John and Margaret were the best thing that ever happened to me and um, saved me from all that turmoil that I was felt like I was going through in my life. But yes, I was terrified of Uncle John, but he's always been the best the best uncle in the world. I used to pickpocket him, and he just started where he'd just walk in the house and say, here's my change. I don't want to feel your hand reaching down below. And I would just, you know, he would just hand it over. And just uh, those fond memories that I have of my Uncle John just being there for me and, and loving me, you know, like he did his, his granddaughters. And he was just always... Always there, always present, always happy, and always loving. Amen. And I just Thank want to say so that much. was that was a wonderful. He was a wonderful man. Amen. Anyone else? Right here, Lionel. Oh, you got one back there. I got. Okay. I got three over here now. Hi. So I'm the oldest niece, right? Yeah. 62. So my uncle, when I was 12, which is 50 years ago, used to let me drive his El Camino, and I learned to drive it at his trucking company in Lodi, California. So I was a pretty good driver. I'd drive it around the circle like you did with the lawnmower. I was really getting good. And then he let me pull it in the garage. Well, when I pulled it in the garage, I didn't stop, so I went through the garage and then over the cement, and then the dog was in the backyard, and I had Margaret and my sister Karen guiding me. One was on the left and on the right. Okay, you know, and it's a one-car garage, and so I'm like, they're like pulling, okay, you're too close over here, you're too close over here, and I'm like, okay, just give it gas. And so then I give it gas, I go through the entire garage, all the electrical work is falling down on his prized El Camino. I am terrified. I know my dad's going to kill me. If you don't know, my dad is Les Ross, and... I was terrified. John's going to tell my dad. He's going to kill me when I get home. I know John won't, but John didn't talk. He just went in the house, and I think we all went to bed. And he had to, it was a rental, so he had to redo the whole garage, right? And I just felt horrible. You know, I just, he didn't say anything. He never said, I don't think he ever brought it up again. No. Nope. Did he do you? Nope. And so I don't think he told my dad. I don't know if he ever told my dad. I don't think he did. Hopefully. Okay, <laughs> so, so I did that, and then when I got married, when I was older, my dad, being a hardhead, said, I'm not coming to the wedding, it's clear in Tahoe, so if you're going to get married there, I'm not going to give you away, it was a big wedding, and I had a lot of people in the wedding, and so my Uncle Johnny gave me away, and, and that meant the world to me, he was like a father to me, because my father was so hard, and he was so gentle and kind to me, and loving, Amen. and I'll never forget how he was like a dad, like Denise said, that's my younger sister. And uh, he just was always a yes man, and he taught me everything I knew that. My dad did teach me some things, but Johnny was more gentle and kind and, and taught me how to drive and taught me how to be patient. And, and um, I'll really miss him. He was just a wonderful man, you know. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you.
Uh, John and I shared special moments together. One of the things that you guys have all recognized, and there's been many testimonies, is how hard he was at work, how hard he worked. So we had our men's breakfast. We had month, we have monthly men's breakfasts at our church, and we get there early, and I couldn't beat John. He was always there before me. The awesome part of that is, is not only was he early to get there and help set everything up, but he would be the, one of the last ones to leave. So he worked and he gave it, and that was a servant. He had that servant's heart in him. But there was one special time that I really remember, and we were just cleaning everything up and getting done, and, and uh, we were, I just told John, I said, you know, brother, I just really love you and admire how much you, you give. You know, you give to the Lord. And uh, he came over to me, and he looked at me, and he, he gave me a hug, and he said, you don't know what I've done. And I said, it, what does it matter, John? That's our past. What you've done is part of our past. We're, we're covered by the blood of Jesus, and you've been forgiven. And he looked at me, and it was almost like he, would, he was thinking that I was going to think of him different because of his past. And I said, no, buddy, I, I, I love you. And I reached over and I gave him, a, gave him a big old hug. And I said, we all have a past, brother. We all have a past. But thank God that he's a, he's a forgiving, merciful, graceful, graceful God that will forgive us. Amen. And he knew that. But it was a tender moment. And I really remember one thing. I saw a little, and I, you guys probably never saw him cry. And I won't say he cried, but it was a little tiny bit of moisture right in the corner of the eye. So I could tell that that was a, that was a divine moment with, between him and I and the Lord. Amen. So that was awesome. Amen. Good brother. We're going to miss you, John. Amen. But we'll see you again. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you, all that shared. Can I leave a word? All right, I'm watching you, buddy. <laughs> I've known John for a long time. I've known Margaret for a long time, too. And the girls, they all know me real well. But what I'm hearing is get yourself right with God. If you're not right with God, you've got a chance to do it. You know like the baboon on the Lion King where he takes and hits the lion upside the head with the stick? He said, what was that for? Don't worry about it. It's in the past. It's in the past. Don't worry about it. Let God take care of it now in the future. I love that guy. Amen. Good word. Good word. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. So we have a theme, more than a conqueror, but we also have a theme of servant. We have a theme of a man who desired to make a difference for everyone he encountered. And that's called a legacy. And we can come in here and we can hear all these wonderful things. We can embrace his legacy in a passing thought. Or we can embrace in his attributes and his characteristics that he chose to walk in when he accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And quite frankly, even before he was saved, 
He was a man who would defend his, his territory almost in a scary way. <laughs> Not almost, in a real scary way. Um, you know, if, uh, yeah, he, he shared some stories and it's like, whoa, there was a statement that there were some people who may do not approach him alone. If he gives you that look, make sure you have help. So he t- I said, whoa, have you ever given that look? And no, I've never given, Pastor, you're good. I said, okay, cool, cool, cool. Oh, yeah, Amen. He could have that look, and what, behind that look, and even, I mean, he's got that little, like, crooked smile, but behind that is that, you know, that his head's just cocked just a little bit, and there's a sternness about his focus. And as friends and loved ones, that focus is important. It's powerful, and it's, and it's, um, part of the divineness of what God imparted to him. And as we watch um, this video flow of his, of his life by picture, capture what you see. We've heard much, but look beyond just the words and look what you see before Christ and after Christ. Let's show the video. Hey, Rachel, this is Papa. I'm sorry, Mr. Funk Call, because I couldn't get it out of my back pocket. Call me back. We're headed out to the doctor's place to, for evaluation and stuff again. Talk to you later. Love you. Bye. Last night I had a crazy Wish was granted just for me It could be for anything I didn't ask for money Or imagine Malibu I simply wished For one more day with you One more day Sunset, maybe I'd be satisfied. But then again, I know what it would do. Leave me wishing still one more day with you. Hey Billy, it's Papa. I was on the toilet. I couldn't answer the phone. I don't know why I was on the way. One more sunset, maybe I'd be satisfied. 
I'll stand forever in the light of His amazing grace. Yeah, when I get well, I'm going. Oh, when I get It really is public. If you get a chance, try to come by here and I'll try to work on your nerves. Kind of feeling sluggish today. I'm eating with all my food. So, well, it'd be better to come here. Give me a call back when you get this message. Bye.
can only imagine When all I would do Is forever Forever worship you Powerful. And as I was sharing with the, the look on his face, the joy that he had, that crooked smile, that, you know, just would just warm your heart. There's a, a part of John's character I would like to build on for just a moment, and then we're going to be um, concluding. And that character is tenacity, focused tenacity steadfastness and quite frankly before he came to Christ you could call it stubbornness um, and had a little bit of that after Christ as a matter of fact uh, being a little stubborn every now and then uh, and I just want to talk for just a moment about that in that uh, when our uh, Patty's father Gramps lived in the in I own in the in the park and I was working around his house and painting it uh, John heard that I was going to be painting the house. And I'm arriving at Gramps' place at 8 o'clock in the morning, and there's John. He's like, what are we doing, Pastor? I said, well, you know, I'm going to be painting, and I've got to move the ladder, and I got to, you know, he goes, I got this. I said, John, you've, you've got... And he gave me the look. How many of you have had the look? He's like, all right, you're helping. Okay, we're good. We're good. And after it was over, I mean, we went through the day and we prayed numerous times because his back was hurting something terrible. But he was focused and he was tenacious. But his focus and his tenacity was not based upon human pride. It was based upon servanthood. And servanthood is something very powerful. It's a desire to serve out of selflessness, out of a desire to make a difference for others. And... We're hearing this constantly over and over. And as we close, I want us to consider something. What are we doing with our life? John spoke into all of us, or his actions spoke, or his words spoke. And how are we doing with our focus? Do we focus on the Lord when it's convenient? Do we focus on his word when... I'm in trouble and I need help. Dear God, help me. Or am I willing to walk out my life each and every day according to his plan and his purpose and his work? And John and I had many talks and he was so passionate about discovering how to walk out his life according to God's word. And every testimony in the house here spoke of that. And... His heart cry was to see his friends and family walk out their life in Christ Jesus. John 14, 1 through 6 says, declares this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And these are the words of Jesus. In my heart, or excuse me, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, 
there you will be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, hence the term doubting Thomas, asked the question. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going, or how do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So have we allowed our lives to drift? Have we allowed our lives to kind of get off course when Jesus is saying, and John is saying, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the life. And Jesus is the truth. And yes, none of us gets to the Father except through him, but also Jesus wants us to understand the incredible blessing, not the burden, the blessing of walking in his word. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 9, if you want to be my disciples, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. So John had a passion to follow Jesus. He knew him as the way, he knew him as the truth, and he knew him as the life. And I want to encourage all of us in the house today that we would know Jesus as the way. Not just to heaven, but the way of life every day of our breathing life this side of heaven. That we would know him and his word as the truth. And when we anchor on the truth, we'll never, we'll never go, go off. Because if we get off, come off course a little bit, the truth will bring us back to where we belong. So as we conclude, we can say, John desired to love well, to serve well, and to, to walk out the way, the truth, and the life. And when he messed up, he wanted help to get back on course. So also, if we mess up, reach out to another brother or sister or a shepherd and ask for help. Because none of us are designed by God to walk out our life in Christ Jesus independently. We are designed by God to walk it out interdependent with one another. And I can say without a doubt, my friend John and I talk, I don't even know many times about that journey. And I am, feel so incredibly honored to be able to have been a part of his life in that way. So as we conclude and I close in prayer, consider this. Do you know Jesus? Have you not just had a religious, you know, cerebral, like, yeah, he's this, like, cool dude that went to the cross. But he is the, he is the savior of mankind, and he went to the cross for you and for me. And the word says, whomever would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord shall be saved. And the word saved is in the Greek text is the word sozo, means spirit, soul, and body. So if you're in the house and and all eyes looking and all eyes up, if you would like to make that decision for Christ as John did and had a radical salvation experience right here in this place, in this house called Mount Zion, it's your opportunity. And I just ask you to raise your hand and we'll, and we'll pray with you and you'll have family right here, right now. And it'll be so awesome and John will be incredibly honored that you accepted Christ today.
anyone. My next question has to do, and I can hear John telling me, speaking, and I'm not getting all woo-woo about this, but I just, I know him. And I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands because this is just a, a place in every person's heart. If you know you have to have a course correction, get back where you belong. We're going to pray for that too, and that the word would be the lamp under your feet and the light under your path. That Holy Spirit would be the comfort and the power to walk it out each and every day. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the incredible blessing of having John in our life. And by testimony of all that he shared and did and spoke into all of our lives, and we're so grateful. We open our hearts, Lord, to that course change, to getting us back where we belong, that compass setting that puts us right where we belong in the sweet spot of the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you that we have salvation in Christ Jesus. And we also have the blessing of walking out life in Christ and being set free from the old man. I declare blessing over this family and over all in the house. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, there's a reception downstairs. What's that? And rumor has it. There's lots of food. It's not actually a rumor. It's the tr it's, it was just spoken. Thus saith the familyeth. Um, that's King Jameseth. There is foodeth downstairs. And we just declare a blessing and sanctification over the food. And you would be blessed and encouraged and strengthened. And it would be eaten up in Jesus' name. Go ye. Go have a blessed time and encourage one another. God bless.